Go beyond just listening to this episode of The Ziggler Show and join me, Kevin Miller, and a group of aspiring people like yourself to dig into the topics and actually apply the messages to your life. Come to kevinmiller.co, get my drive formula for free, and join the Driven to Live community. What I found over the years is that the more rules I come up with, the less I actually do it. Um, it become, if I get really rigid, the goal becomes brittle and I end up mm. not being able to do it. So for me, I have, I would say smaller ones where I go, you know what? I'm not going to keep queso in the house. Like I have a relationship with queso where like our deal is if it's in the house, I'm eating it. So it's a lot easier to not eat it if it's not in the house. And mm. so like, will I have it if we go out to a Mexican restaurant with friends? Totally. Do I need like a trough of it on a Tuesday night just because it's near me? Probably, probably not. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this podcast, our focus is getting to the root of personal and business development by following the principles of Zig Ziglar and becoming the right type of person who can achieve all we desire in our lives. Here, I bring today's most influential people onto the show and take captive the core issues of human performance and have conversations about what really matters to our personal fulfillment. If you want to go beyond merely listening and join a community of people people devoted to making positive change in their life and work, come over to kevinmiller.co. Join my Driven to Live community. Next up, the personal success habits of author and speaker, John Acuff. So I'm back with John Acuff, the New York Times bestselling author of seven books, including his most recent, Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking, which we had a deep conversation about in episode 945. Well, in this episode, we dig into his habits of success, which I usually do with each guest. And as you heard in the intro, it includes for John keeping queso out of the house, which I completely understand. I have a friend who calls it liquid love and I'm prone to ODing on it as well. And this really references my friend Ben Hardy's book, Willpower Doesn't Work. I've had Ben on three shows with me. And in that book, he talks about the reality that our willpower is finite. And instead of relying on it to not eat all the queso, we set up an environment for success, as John talks about, and just not have it available, especially when our willpower is low. Uh, you can listen into this episode as I ask John about his primary habits following the Ziggler Wheel of Life. And you can get John's new book, Soundtracks, wherever you get books and connect further with him at acuff, A-C-U-F-F dot me. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We started off the last show with me congratulating you on your 10k run so appropriate that the first spoke here is physical and nutrition i want to know what you're doing uh, to enable you to at 45 years old set a pr but also yeah just how has it evolved how has your how have your i bet you're an intentional guy you've been on an intentional personal development path for a long time but i'm betting between 45 and 25 or wherever it started those intentional habits they've changed and morphed so tell us. They've, they've definitely changed in that I value them, I think, more than I ever have before. Um, right. And I don't know if that's age. I don't know. You know, I wish I could go back to the 25-year-old and say, hey, here's these five things you should do. Or, hey, I don't know that he would have even listened because I was so smart um, and so ignorant. Uh, or so confident <laughs> and so ignorant, which yeah. is a dangerous combination. Agreed. Um, but for me, over the years, I've just seen the benefit in my own life and the lives of other people. So from a physical standpoint, I mean, one of my habits is I run, walk, or ride at least a mile a day every day. Now, some days it's it's more. I'll do seven miles, you know, on Sunday this weekend because I'm training for a half marathon. So that's way more than a mile. But I'm at least doing a mile. And sometimes the mile is I'm at an airport and I set my Garmin to walk and I, you know, I walk a mile in the airport. And I that might look silly to somebody, but I want to get that mile. Yeah. I want to be deliberate about it. From a, And then like... As far as food and health goes, I try to drink 64 ounces of water a day. Um, sometimes it's more than that, but it's always a minimum of that because I've found that if I don't have a goal for water, I forget. Yeah. I just forget. And so for me having, you know, I've got a, I always have a, like a jug by me. Um, it's branded. Come on. The future belongs to finishers. That's an ache of statement right there. So that's another one where I'm like, okay, let me, you know, let me focus on water. Cause that feels like a tangible measurable thing that I can do. Um, so those are two physical ones that I think about a lot. What about on the nutrition side? That's such a common thing that people ascribe to the, you know, the keto, the vegan, the paleo, the yada, yada. Do you have anything that you follow? Well, I mean, I've, I don't do anything super complicated. What I found over the years is that the more rules I come up with, the less I actually do it. Um, it become, if I get really rigid, the goal becomes brittle and I end up hmm. not being able to do it. So for me, I have, I would say smaller ones where I go, you know what? I'm not going to keep queso in the house. Like I have a relationship with queso where like our deal is if it's in the house, I'm eating it. So it's a lot easier to not eat it if it's not in the house. And mm -hmm. so like, will I have it if we go out to a Mexican restaurant with friends? Totally. Do I need like a trough of it on a Tuesday night just because it's near me? Probably, probably not. So I kind of try to be deliberate about foods that I tend to overdo where I go, okay, yeah, I can moderate it at a restaurant. If it's just me and I'm watching TV and all like, there's an endless supply. I go, ah, we're not going to have a good re relationship. So I try to figure out foods and I'm like, you know what? That's a sometimes not an all the times food, which is what we taught our kids. We taught our kids like, Hey, here's a, you know, here's ice cream. That's a sometimes food, not an all the time. And so I try to treat myself the same way with some really simple shame-free kind of like, Hey, and if you're 45, you have 45 years of knowledge of how you work. Yeah. And I think mo that's the biggest challenge for most people is that without self-awareness, habits are impossible. 
Um, it's, you know, you don't know if you're a submarine or Ferrari and both of those function very differently depending on the environment you put them in. My buddy Scott calls queso liquid love. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that's my problem. That's how I, that's how I think about it too. I, at one point had eight different shirts about queso. I talked about it so much online, people that's mail cool. me shirts. And so I was like, you know what, if I ate queso as much as I tweeted about it, I would be dead. My yeah. heart, like every artery would just, the doctor would be like, it's full of queso. So I have to be smart about that. Yeah. Queso boys are like right along there with SpongeBob SquarePants, I think. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, that, that's what I would be. That would be my nickname. Family, friends, relationships. Now you talk about that literally in this book. I mean, you do in other books about some of the, gosh, the negative, the, the broken soundtracks you've had initially or had around travel. Uh, and that, so that was a big part of your relational uh, life. So talk about the habits there that you do as a guy who's often on the road. Yeah. Well, so my wife kind of challenged me on that. She said, you know, you're an extrovert with people you don't know and an introvert with people you do. And I thought that's a really wow. interesting way to think about it. So what she meant was, yeah, you're on stage, you're an extrovert in a book signing line, you're an extrovert when you're meeting with clients, extrovert, but then you get home and you kind of isolate. And so she was challenging me to, to really get to know the people that are in my circle that, that I really have connection with. And so I've been deliberate about that. So a few ways that I'm deliberate is um, I run with my neighbor, Ruben. We're going on a run tomorrow. We're going to run tomorrow at 5.45 a.m. It's, you know, I think that friendship requires flexibility. So we have different schedules. He works in construction. I, you know, work for myself. So I could theoretically go, I'm going to run at three or I'm going to run at 10. He has a job where with construction, like when the sun's up, you're up. And so I go, okay, well, let's go earlier. Let's go before that. So I, I run with Ruben. My other friend, Ben, we go on walks. Like, and I've learned to, COVID taught me to enjoy the power of a walk. I think a lot of families were going, wow, we can't do much. So let's at least go for a walk. Um, and then I have a entrepreneurs group that I'm part of Monday mornings. Um, and then I have a small group that I'm part of. And so I've learned to be deliberate about connection and making time for it. Friendships don't ha happen accidentally, especially in your 40s. Um, and then the other thing I do on a relational level is I try to make a goal of encouraging one person a day every day. Um, so that can be, you know, a verbal thing I say. A lot of times it's a text. I'll just, if somebody's on my heart, I'll text them and go, hey, I was just thinking about the most creative people I know, and your name immediately came to mind. I hope you're doing well. And I've never had somebody respond to that and go, oh, I'm so mad you sent that. 99 times mm -hmm. out of 100, they go, it's so funny you send that because today, blank, or it's so funny you say that because here's what I'm thinking or here's what I'm going through. So I try to be deliberate about friendships. Those are two ways. I make time for it on my calendar. Like I schedule it. I don't, I don't hope friendship will happen organically. I schedule it. And then I try to encourage one person a day. Well, it reminds me of what you said in our initial show together that we don't roll well uphill. That's a good line. I need that t-shirt probably mental. I'll try to sell it. I'll Thank try you. to, I'll try to print that and sell it merch. It's better than the queso one, probably a little, probably. More, little more inspiring. Mental is the next one. Um, and my gosh, I mean, your entire book soundtracks is very much around the mental habits, the mental exercises. And as you, you know, again, to the repeat, to the repeating that over and over and over. So uh, yeah, hit, hit your mental habits. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a big one of mine is I try to read 10 pages of what I'd call a success book every day, hmm. at least 10 pages. Um, 
And I love that. So I, you know, I open up a book and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a paperback guy. I still like a print book. I enjoy yeah. a print book. Um, I don't make hard rules around like audiobooks don't count. Like if you're an audio person, awesome. Um, but I, I open up a book and I write start at the top of the page and then I do at least 10 pages from that moment. So I know, cause I want it to be simple. I don't want to have to guess like, where did I begin again today? Like, no, I write, I physically write it on the page, start. And then I read at least 10 pages. It usually turns into 12, 14, whatever. So I'm reading every day. That's a huge priority for me um, is reading books every day. And then I'm also being deliberate about the people I talk to. Um, I have a podcast called all it takes is a goal. And I'm deliberate about going, wow, that person has a really interesting life. I'd like to learn from them. And I think my audience would too. So an example of that would be Greg Sankey. Um, he's the commissioner for the SEC, the football conference. And during COVID, every sport was watching what the SEC was going to do to go, how are they going to open stadiums? How are they going to do this? And I got, to, and then they, you know, they opened up and they made the season and it went really, really well. And then Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC, multi-billion dollar deal. And during the week that that happened, he wrote me a thank you note for being on the podcast. And I told my wife, isn't it crazy that a guy at his level during this week, the biggest sports deal probably in the last 10 years, he wrote me a thank you note, like a guy at his level. And she said, no, you got it backwards. He's at that level because he does that stuff. Oh. Like that's why he's at that level. And so I get to learn that. So it's one thing for me to go, I should probably do thank you notes. It's a completely different thing for me to go. I think I could really learn a lot from Greg Sankey because he's like 10 or 15 years ahead of me. I'm going to put him on a podcast. I'm going to interview him. I'm going to learn from him. And I did. He keeps two cards in his pocket. One is his life principles. The other are his five books he thinks everyone should read. And the fifth line is blank so he can write a new book. I love that. That's a brilliant idea. And so like, that's another thing I get to learn from. And then the third thing I do for mental is I gather and collect ideas. I'm a really active idea collector. I don't believe in writer's block. I believe in idea bankruptcy. I never sit down to a blank piece of paper without friends. I always bring ideas with me. So at any given moment, I have a notebook with me. And if somebody says something I think is interesting, if somebody says something that I think is challenging, if I read in a book, you know, I just read in uh, this book, Time Paradox that I mentioned in our other podcast, they said that the average Peruvian um, is late 107 hours a year. 107 hours because of how they view time. And the president, it costs the economy $5 billion every year being late to things. And so the president of Peru tried to change that. They had a whole national campaign where they were trying to get people to set their watches together on TV, where they try to change that. And so just looking at how different cultures express time, will I use that stat in a book? I don't know, but it's now in my notebook. And as I gather more books in the future, that's a really fascinating stat. So maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was just for the pleasure of learning that, but I'm an active idea collector. Well, Time Paradox, you did mention that in the other show. So on that note, any couple other books that have stood yeah. out lately? Inner Game of Tennis. Inner Game of Tennis was probably the best book on mindset I've ever read. Um, it's one of those books where it's like 120 pages. It's small. It's by this like 80-year-old guru, tennis pro. Um, and I don't play tennis. Um, but I would say it's 90% mindset, 10% tennis. I thought that was really fascinating. I just read The Slight Edge by um, Jeff Olson. I thought that was really good. Um, really kind of helped me understand the compounding effect of small actions over time. Um, but those, yeah. And then the, the other one I'd recommend is um, Orbiting the Giant Hairball by Gordon McKenzie. It's probably one of my top three books on creativity at all, of ever written. And it's essentially a guru at uh, Hallmark who was there for 30 years 
And he describes a big organization as a hairball and says, you have to orbit it close enough to kind of contribute to it and benefit from it. But as a creative, you have to be far enough away that you don't get entangled in the bureaucracy. So I was given that book when I went to work for Staples, Staples corporate. I was going to work for Staples from a small ad agency and somebody handed me this book and said, you're going to need this where you're going. And it was so helpful and it's beautifully designed and it's got some of the best ideas about creativity that I've, that I've ever read in my life. Do you read fiction at all? Yeah. I love fiction. Um, I would say right now, I, I like um, the Gray Man series. I find really fascinating. The Walt Longmire series by Craig Johnson. Um, they're detective novels, Western kind of novels, but they're so beautifully written. Um, sometimes you read, uh, there's like, there's perfect times for beach reads where like there's somebody who gets punched at the end of every chapter and there's a, you know, there's a chapter climax. But a, like a Walt Longmire book is slow and paced and beautifully written. So I really like that. We just uh, we paid our kids this summer to read 15 um, of some of the greatest novels in history. So I just um, read The Count of Monte Cristo again because that oh, was on their list. Um, and every revenge movie ever made has some of its roots in The Count of Monte Cristo. So, yeah, I, I read fiction at night and nonfiction in the morning. Yeah, likewise. Likewise, I just finished uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, which apparently everybody knows. That it's 10 million copies, three years old. I have it. I haven't read it yet. I, I didn't know. I kept seeing it everywhere. So I finally grabbed it and uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Financial is next, John. Financial habits. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the good fortune of spending three years working for Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, you talk about a greenhouse of, of financial goals and financial wisdom. Um, so I would say financially, um, one thing that we do is we have um, investments with investment advisors, people that help us set the course for the year. And so then we set an annual course and then we have quarterly that we're trying to meet. Um, and then the other thing is that my wife and I will set kind of one year to 18 month goals. So I'll, I'll give you an example of one right now. We just, the other day had a conversation said, okay, it's let's, let's imagine it's 18 months from now. And our oldest daughter has been through, through college for a year. My job has sorted itself out. Some I'm a public speaker. We're still trying to figure out, okay, what's the world look like, you know, as we go forward. And so there's some big financial things that will have happened. Okay. We'll be in a position to have another, like where we go in the next three years in that moment, we will all have already paid for a year of college. Well, I already bought her a car to go to college and there's some financial things that we're doing. Okay, great. So we really, I wouldn't say we do a ton of like, Every day we're looking at finances, we're measuring pennies. Like that's not, that's not enjoyable to me. I, I can struggle with perfectionism. And so if I get too detailed on goals, I suck all the joy right out of them. And so I would say that as a family financially, that's kind of our approach is, okay, where are we going over the next five years? What are our annual goals that we're working on? Um, and then as a, as a team, like my business, we have a PL that we're regularly touching and updating and going, okay, what are our expenses looking like? What's coming in? What, how was this month? How was this month versus last year? So I, I keep a pretty good eye on that. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this habits episode with John A. Cuff. Next, I asked John about his spiritual habits. And here's an interesting habit he has there. He often goes on a five-mile run with some pastors, and they pray during and after the run. So that and more when we return.
Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spiritual is the next book, John. What are you doing there? Well, I mean, there's a couple things. Um, last year, I read the Bible through in a year. Um, I've done that a couple times and, and really enjoyed it. Um, this year, um, I'm focusing on a couple things. One is a prayer group that I'm in. I'm in a men's prayer group, which has been fantastic. The second is I run with um, a group of three guys. Uh, two of them are pastors and one's an elder at my church. And we run five miles and we um, pray at the end. And it's a 30-minute session of us, you know, and we we pray the whole way we're running. I mean, it's a prayerful conversation, but that's really been enjoyable. And then um, I love listening to podcast sermons. So finding, you know, a bit of podcast enjoyment um, in between. And then I'm always kind of going, okay, 
do I want to do the gospels? There's been times where I've gone through the gospels and said, okay, I'm going to go through the gospels every two months, multiple times. Cause there's always something different that I see. Um, and then I, I try to be quiet for at least 10 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have a checkbox. That's, I have a, that's one of my checkboxes is, was I quiet for 10 minutes today? And it can be on a walk. Um, I'm not rigid on that one. Like there's some people like it has to be in a dark room with a candle lit, like that works for some people. It doesn't work for me. So I'm pretty flexible. It can be, I'm on the back porch with a coffee. It can be, I'm driving and there's no radio. It can be, I'm walking around the neighborhood and there's no headphones, but I try to be quiet for at least 10 minutes a day so that I'm slow enough to hear thoughts. So as a professional speaker in March, 2020, that ended, uh, at least physical on stage. So when I ask about your career habits, I imagine, well, I mean, to keep your career where it is, I mean, you've got, you know, authoring and speaking, you've got a really great podcast. I know you're doing other things. So I'm sure you've had consistent habits that that didn't change, but I imagine that did cause some pivoting as everybody has given the term. Yeah. I mean, it clarified. I think I told people, um, a question you should ask is what would have made this year easier and then go build that thing. So a year from now, you'll be glad you built that thing. So when I did, it's March of 2020. What would have made this year easier? Okay, it would have been easier if I had a studio. If I had a studio where I could easily film from, boom. So I went to my speakers bureau. I said, hey, let's build a little studio at your facility so that when I do virtual events, I can show up. You'll have an event, you know, coordinated on your end. And that's been huge for me. Like clients feel so much... um, more reassured when I go, it's not going to be me in my office. Like I'm not running the lighting. I'm not running the soundboard. It's going to be me and a professional event producer in Nashville. It's professionally lit. It's 4k. It's all the things you want. And if there's a hiccup, there's somebody to fix it. So I built a studio, um, with my speakers bureau. The second thing is I started a podcast. I recognize this would be easier if I had another source of income, another way to share ideas, another way to, you know, force myself to build ideas. So I started a podcast. That's what, why I launched all it takes is a goal. And I said, okay, I can't go see people. I can't travel as easy. What if I do challenges? I'll try online challenges. I've never done that before. Let me do a five free day online challenge and see how that helps people. And it's, you know, an hour every day I'm teaching on Facebook. And so I, I tried that. So I would say my career is, a constant bit of experimentation, but it's also about learning what works best. So an example of that would be my assistant and I who've worked together for six years recognized pretty quickly, we need, we're, it's virtual. She lives in my town, but we don't work in the same office. We need an hour and a half phone call once a week where we go through everything. And we get probably 10 hours of work done in that. And there's an agenda. And so, okay, great. And so now I have a Monday one with the bigger team. And so like, it's figuring out what works and then kind of tweaking it. But I'm always going, I tell entrepreneurs like myself, you need five to seven faucets so that when the world turns off four of them unexpectedly, you have other ones going and you have time to grow the other ones. My, my podcast, I think about my job like a, like a stool. The podcast, I think, is going to be a, a big leg of my career, but it's not yet. It's just not. So, like, I want, you know, like, I've, I've been really happy with the success of it, but it's going to take some time to get it to where public speaking is because I've done that one for 12 to 13 years. So I'm kind of always going, how do I keep these ones in the right place, but also experiment and try new things and figure, like, YouTube. I tried YouTube. I didn't like it. It's not, it hit, doesn't hit my skill set. Um, it triggers every degree of perfectionism I have in my body. It didn't make me money. And it's really complicated yeah. and it's really a full market podcast all day. Love it. 
love podcasts. I, I love podcasting. But YouTube, maybe down the road it'll be something to do, but not in this season. We post all the shows on YouTube, but I just, yeah, it's not, doesn't fit me either. I have a. I'm a writer. I'm like, there's a thing, like yeah. I'm not a visual storyteller. Yeah. And sometimes we think you have to be amazing at all the things. And boy, are you really average when you try that. And so like, I'm not good at YouTube. And not only am I not good, I know I don't want to put in the work to be amazing. And some of the things it requires are not things I want to develop. So I value it. I see that it's amazing for other people. That is not a criticism of YouTube. It feels like you're like an old man going like, oh, the telephone won't take off. The, you know, the telegram is here to stay. It's not that. It's just I'm a writer. Like I'm best when I'm writing and then I turn that writing into something. And that's not how YouTube works. Uh, Exactly. Me too. It sounds bad to say I got a face for radio, but I can at least say I got a spirit for radio. Yeah, yeah totally. Okay. Totally. Yeah. All right. Last book is personal. So the, the self-care fun play hobbies. I know you run and I know you don't do tennis. That's about all I know. So tell me. more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do golf. That's another one I don't do. Um, but one of my favorite hobbies that I stumbled into a few years ago is I love putting together massive Lego sets. Like I'm such a, like if you, I'll turn the camera. So like, if you see on that wall in that corner, there's a the car. Yeah, the cars. There's a, I'll point to it. There's a Defender, uh-huh. Land Rover Defender, Porsche 911 RS. Uh, I think that's the RS3. There's another Porsche, Bugatti, Ghostbuster car. There's cars all up on here. So for me, um, I bought my kids this Harry Potter Lego castle that we did at Christmas, and I liked it even more than them. And what I liked about it was nothing in my life has clear steps or directions. Like, how do you be an author? How do you be a speaker? How do you be a consultant? Hmm. But I find it really relaxing to get a big, massive car, a Lamborghini, whatever, and it's got a huge, thick instruction book. And then I can listen to an audiobook and I can put together this big Lego set over usually a period wow. of months. And it's like some people will knit and they'll go, it turns off my brain. Doing a Lego set turns off my brain in a positive way. So that's, you know, and it's a dorky hobby. Like my wife always teases me about it. And her rule is like only cars. And I'll go, what about vehicles? And she's like, no, I know what you're going to do. You're going to try to get Star Wars vehicles. So she says only earthbound cars. So like there's no Millennium Falcon that's going to be in here. She feels like that's a slippery slope. Um, But that's another hobby. And, um, And then being with my kids, I've got two teenage daughters that are super fun. And so throwing the Frisbee with my oldest daughter going for a run with my youngest daughter who's on the cross country team. Um, and then, you know, eventually travel, like as travel kind of starts to open up, it's something, uh, my wife and I like to do. So yeah, those are, those are ones that, and then fun, like I, you know, for me shutting down the office, I have a, one of my self-care goals is 30 hours a week. Like I work 30 hours. Cause I'm curious, like, can I do, can I run a seven figure company with 30 hours of work a week? Like that'd be fun. Cause like, there's a lot of entrepreneur gurus that are like, you got to do 90 hours, hundred hours a week. Like, ugh, that's, that seems terrible to me. Like, I don't, if I, you know, like if my life falls apart, as I try to build a business, it's been a bad business. And so going, okay, after this interview, I'm going to shut the office down. Like I'm going to go sit downstairs with my wife. It'll be 4 PM. And I started working today at 8.15 and took a lunch. And so really being deliberate about, because I'm a workaholic. I always tell people, you'll become a workaholic at something you love, not something you hate. When you hate it, you try to do it less. But when you love what you do, and I do, I love what I do, you end up, if you're not careful, doing it more and more and more and more and more and more. more. And I can be a pretty compulsive person. And so I have to be deliberate about going, nah, 30 hours is a good goal. And I know today I'm going to do this amount. And and that's going to be plenty. That work you love stuff reminds me of some... Some guy, 
Dan Miller. That's the guy. Yeah, yeah I've heard of him. Yeah. Heard of him. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Good guy. Sold a lot of books. A lot of books. Sold a lot of books. Man, thank you. Thanks for doing this again, giving us a behind totally. the scenes and just a, a gift to hear what makes you tick and what helps you bring these books to life and to us. So thanks, John. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Friends, I continue to get rave reviews uh, from my talk with John Acuff, our original, in episode 945 on the topic of his new book, Soundtracks. Again, you can get that book wherever you buy your books and connect further with John at Acuff, A-C-U-F-F dot me. Coming up in episode 948, I asked the Ziegler audience to make progress in your work, career, business, vocation. If you had a willing angel investor, what investment or action would you put the money toward? Well, join Tom Ziegler and I as we talk through the listener comments and help us all get more focused on where we really feel the priority is for making progress in our work and business. And to literally discuss it further together, come over to kevinmiller.co. Join our Driven to Live community where we band together to help each other make the progress we desire. Until then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.